papers and programming in the background. Do you want me to stop? No, you keep doing you, Samir. We love having you here. Yeah. Samir got those from Amish country. He was driving through and he's just like, good donuts, gotta pick some of those up. Amish people make some pretty good quality. Right? I put that thing through the ringer. I have no oh. idea how it still turns on every Here, you? Well, I'll go over there then. Alright. Because I think he should be facing. He should be at this angle. This is a good angle because she's the guest. And so we also have three people on this side. You know? Okay. Cool. Maybe you two should come here so that Samir's kind of the out. I just want to make sure I get the lawyers on the back. Yeah. So Make this sure is the most me. unorganized we've ever been. Okay. We record here every single day, and uh, yeah, they threw us in a new session today because mm -hmm. they needed a different room to film some drums. Oh, okay, cool. So they were working on that. How was so, your work today? You, were you at Uber today, or were I you at, was at Amazon? Uber. So I work at Uber Monday and Tuesday, and then Amazon Wednesday through Saturday. And I have Sundays off sometimes, unless they call me to Amazon. <laughs> and have they have they sent you anywhere besides the Columbus area, or have you kind of stayed within this region for your entire time at both companies? Um, so for Uber, I've always been in Columbus, although I work for a greater Midwest region, so I communicate with everyone around the Midwest. Mm -hmm. But I could communicate with anyone across the world. Like for example, uh, just for just for fun, I was communicating with someone um, in South America uh, because we have a lot of the same. Uh, issues, um, a lot of the same. I communicate with people in Quebec as well. Uh, someone in Quebec had launched a language learning program um, for the Uber drivers, and I want to do something similar here. Uh, I hadn't started it yet, but I asked her, and I speak French, so I communicate with her about that. Um, but I could communicate with anyone at Uber because we have an internal chat, we have an internal um, <laughs> Instagram as well. But Uber's a really fun company, so uh, one thing I love about it is that you really can just look someone up um, in the internal profile and just say, like, hey, I'm interested in who you are, what you do, like, let's, let's merge with ideas. Um, so I mainly communicate with people in Michigan, Ohio, Kentucky, and Indiana, um, but I can communicate with literally anyone. I hear a lot of negative talk from the outside about, like, Travis, the guy up at top, mm -hmm. and kind of Uber's practices, and it seems like they're always pinned up as this aggressive company that's trying to ignore a lot of the law. Mm -hmm. I don't hear a lot of perspectives of people inside, and you're saying it's a great culture, the people in there are awesome, and you guys yeah. have a good team environment. So yeah. is the perspective different of how people on the outside are viewing Uber so versus been, the people inside? Yeah, I've been at Uber under uh, Travis and under Dara, our new CEO. Um, Dara, um, a lot of people feel that he's a better face for the company, so he's put us back um, on the map in that way, and it's unfortunate that um, Uber does have that reputation, I think. I don't really understand where it comes from or anytime I hear that people are speaking negatively about Uber it really upsets me because I feel like they're not getting the full picture but then also how can I say that when I'm on the inside like maybe there's something I'm missing from my perspective so I'm always open to the criticism but to be honest I've even asked people so what is your objection to Uber and then I never really <laughs> get a response that's either true or that is um uh, any reason. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know. I just, <laughs> my like brains don't like it. Yeah. Someone hears something from someone else and then they immediately think something negative of it without actually looking into it like yeah. themselves. Because I've had a few friends that have worked there and they've all said the same thing, that they've mm -hmm. really thought that the way that they run their business is incredible and mm -hmm. innovative and new and something that no one's doing. Right. And then you have reports of them having problems within their own company. So it's like, yeah. um, from my perspective, everyone I've talked to who's worked there has loved it and I've heard a lot of people from the outside saying, 
that they have a lot of malpractices and that mm -hmm. they treat their drivers poorly and all these other things. So um, what would you say is something that you've seen that the company has done to make uh, the employees' lives better? Um, yeah, so when it comes to Uber, there's two types of people that are helping the business grow, and that would be the independent contractor drivers, and then that would be the, the employees. As far as the independent contractors, the drivers, what I love most about my job is when people come to me, I work in something called the Greenlight Org, so that's the only customer-facing in-person organization that we have at Uber. Uh, so when someone comes to me, oftentimes I'm helping them find their first source of income in the United States, you know, they just immigrated wow. here, and I'm helping them navigate those issues, I'm helping them um, pay back their student loans, I'm helping them um, pay for their re retirement expenses or whatever, sure. I'm helping them with real life issues and something that's really important to them, or some people like to do it for the social aspects, so Uber's always providing those opportunities for people, and I think that's something that's really overlooked. I think a lot of people would tell you like, oh, I would not be able to make it through college without Uber giving me that flexible schedule, or um, I would not be able to find income in the United States without Uber allowing me to drive and mm -hmm. while I work on my English or while I work on finding a job. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So something like that is really important. Um, as far as being an employee, personally, I've been empowered at Uber in many ways. So I'm part of many employee resource groups, but I've also grown as a person at this company. Um, I've made many mistakes, but I've also been able to share how I feel about personal issues. So um, I wrote in a few blog posts uh, for Uber Pride, which is one of the LGBT um, employee resource groups there. Mm -hmm. And I got to voice my opinion on LGBT fashion and on um, actually um, Catalonia when that was happening. <laughs> it's still happening, but I got to voice my opinion on that. And I just got a platform to speak about things that are important to me, and then yeah. other Uber employees would reach out to me and tell me, you know, what they read or they thought it was interesting. Yeah. Um, but also, many people at Uber have seen it run through many um, changes, and I think that's important for your career to work at a company through which changes. But also, I think it empowers employees in a way uh, that there's an incredible work-life balance at Uber. If I'm not there, I'm not getting calls about what's going on at Uber and mm -hmm. I'm getting calls about like, oh, did you play Fortnite tonight? <laughs> that's what we talk about. You play Fortnite? Uh, I'm not that good at it, but okay. hey, <laughs> jump off the bus. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. How many? Do you have any wins? I have zero wins. Mm. Um, I actually used to teach English online. That was something I did for fun for a while, mm. but I don't have time anymore. Uh, but one of my students from Norway, he's eight years old now. Um, he really did not like learning English, so I had to make it as fun as possible for him, but I would just basically say, okay, you can play Fortnite in these English lessons, but you have to narrate and act like you're live streaming to me, so that's what we would do. But I would have oh, to play Fortnite, yeah. <laughs> to that's get there. cool. Yeah. Wow. Uh, I have it on my Switch and my Xbox, so. mm -hmm. um, but that's how I got into Fortnite. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> I really love the gig economy. We, mm -hmm. like you said, it gives people the freedom that so that they can earn money without being tied down by the traditional kind of a job. Like for me, Upwork is a big platform that I've used to be able to use the gig economy so that I can go to class, I can take 18 credit hours, I can also be a full-time software developer working whenever I find time to finish a website or finish a project. Mm -hmm. A lot of people say, well, what about all those Upwork employees that are building websites for $25 and it's no possible way to fulfill their income? I, I mean... Everybody has the choice. Like Upwork has given us the choice to take yeah. on that responsibility. In the same way Uber gives drivers the choice of when they want to drive, when they want to work, the number of hours they want to work, the areas they want to work in. Yeah. 
giving them the responsibility rather than the traditional job where they tell you everything. Like mm-hmm. it is, you do get a little bit more responsibility with the gig yeah. economy where you have to make better choices yeah. of how you want to spend your time. I think that's something that I noticed that some people get and others do not. Um, I also work on the gig economy side of Amazon as well. So I work at Amazon Prime now. Uh, so uh, I Oh yeah, right here in Columbus. Yeah, in Hilliard. So they uh-huh. have, we have Amazon Flex drivers. Uh, that will come in and deliver the Amazon Prime Now packages so I interact mm. with them as well. So that's kind of how I got set up there and was interested is because my experience at Uber helped me on Amazon. Uh, how did you get that position? Um, so I was working, so I had worked at Uber during my last year at university here at Ohio State and I was doing it part-time and then there were no full-time positions when I graduated but I wanted to stay at Uber because I really enjoyed it mm-hmm. um, but I needed to pick up something else part-time just to have a little extra money uh, so I started working at the campus store on High Street mm-hmm. and then um, my manager was like you've got great leadership skills uh, and then I said well, you know thank you and he was like I'm gonna seek promotion for you and it's something I had, I had communicated in the interview anyway that I wanted to seek promotion because uh, mm-hmm. I had my degree so I wanted something a little bit um, higher up, as mm-hmm. you would say. Um, so then I saw a, um, a rec online for Amazon um, Prime Now, and it said must have one year of rideshare experience, and I thought, well, I don't know anyone in this city who has one year of rideshare experience yeah. uh, equivalent to mine that would yeah. be applying for this position. Uh, so then I went in to meet everyone at Amazon Prime Now, and then they really liked me, gave me my resume, interviewed for it, um, and now I've been working there for eight months um but it's the perfect job yeah i basically fulfill orders every two hours every every hour but our big orders are every two hours and then we hand them off to the flex drivers uh but a lot of my experience from uber has helped there because i have to help people navigate the app or i have to help them understand what they're doing mm-hmm. um but actually amazon's gig economy um app that Amazon Flex app works a little bit differently than Uber. They have a flex schedule, but they sign up for increments of time that they must commit to. Mm-hmm. Whereas if I say to myself, I'm going to drive from six to seven tonight on Uber, I could yeah. do that, but I could also go offline and log off and right. there would be no penalty for that. Yeah. The packages have to get delivered at that time. That's right. really the only time frame that you have to get it there. Mm-hmm. Whereas with Uber, as long as they have enough drivers to fulfill everyone, there's no problem. Yeah, exactly. Makes sense. That's why we want to keep as many drivers on the road as possible because we never know who's actually going to be online and who's not. Right. I'm really liking your story right now because you say that you're working at the intersection of two of the leading companies in the fourth industrial age that are both on gig economy and you are dealing with people that are in the trenches of all of that. You're dealing with the drivers that are coming in. This is their first opportunity. What are the challenges that they're facing? How can we overcome their language barriers, their vehicle troubles, their administrative problems? And then Amazon Prime now. Amazon's a major company that keeps having an increased presence here in Columbus. And you're talking to those drivers too, like the people that are in the trenches. Like I worked at Amazon, but I was a software developer in Seattle and it was like I I was sitting, it kind of felt like in an ivory tower separated from the day to day of what's going on. Mm -hmm. But you're interacting with these companies that are going to be fueling the fourth, the the new economy and and how people are working. Are you optimistic about the future of how work is being done? Or do you think that these trends in gig economy are, are creating bad tendencies for humanity? Um, I have two perspectives. I ultimately think it is good. Um, some of the people I see that come through, so with Uber I get more of a look into people's personal lives because I'm actually dealing um, 
with any of their account issues and sometimes they will open up to me about why they're doing Uber. Uh, so I ultimately think it's good. Um, some people will be in very, very big financial distress and that's why they need to do something like Uber. They don't need to, they don't want to go through an official interview process that could be four rounds and that could take a month and then they don't know if they actually um, got the job. Where with Uber, just pass the background check, uh, fill out the requirements, have the right vehicle, and then you can earn money. So I think that's important without something like a gig, a gig economy or without Uber or Airbnb or anything, Amazon Flex, it doesn't matter what it is, people would still have these problems, but they wouldn't have a way to earn money. So I'm not sure that gig economy is perpetuating any problems. Uh, the problem will always be there, but I think it's helping solve it because there will be people who will come out of something like homelessness from doing gig economy. Um, so I personally think it's a good idea. I haven't really thought of the negative sides as much, to be honest. Um, like, what would you think would be a negative side? From my perspective, I've heard Uber plans to IPO over $100 billion next year, mm -hmm. but I'm thinking, like, what could they do that would make it so that they would make a lot more money? And the first thing that my mind jumps to is autonomous vehicles and completely replacing the gig economy aspect okay. of the company. Mm -hmm. Do you think that that's something that could actually happen? Um, I don't want to speak too much to it because I want to make an official statement. Okay. Um, but from what I've heard, you know, it's not going to be that much of a threat. We'll have, we're working on having those vehicles, but it's to stay up ahead of the curve. Mm -hmm. So if someone's working on autonomous vehicles, like someone's going to be working on it. Tons of companies are working on it and it's going to be um, at the... It's going to be at the top of transportation. It's going to be like the new transportation, you know what I'm saying? So if Uber's not ahead of it, how are they as a tech company going to be able to survive? That's my perspective. Yeah. So they have to be up with that technology because they'll have no choice. You don't want to fall behind. Mm -hmm. uh, not to say that we don't want to be involved in drivers' lives because we're actually more involved in drivers' lives than we ever have been before. We're rolling out new Greenlight Hubs world worldwide. We're doing more programs to help uh, with drivers to feel better and, and about what they're doing. Mm -hmm. uh, so there's definitely more focus on the Uber driver um, in Uber than there ever has been before. So I wouldn't say that there's that threat. I can't speak for other companies, but I don't want to give the impression that with any type of um, AI or anything that it's going to completely replace the human because at the end of the day, we, we need- You need someone to manage it at yeah. the top regardless. Yeah. I feel like there's a big fear in everybody's mind. They see new AI headlines and then everybody's like, well, AI's taking over. Sorry, we lost the game. Sorry, humans, going up your coat. Everything's just AI, but really it's just, and most things are machine learning at this point. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's all, just a buzzword. It's all small increments. There's no like, all cars are gone off the road. It's, mm -hmm. we now have one. Now we have two. Right. And then two yeah. years from now, it's like now 10%. And yeah. then like, I feel like the, it's much slower than a lot of people are thinking. So like Have Uber, you, it's like, it's not going to put a bunch of people out of business. First, it's gonna augment the business and then then it becomes a conversation. How do we like having this shared responsibility between driverless cars and the gig economy? Hmm. Is the balance working out, yes or no? If the answer is no, what do we do to fix it? And then they just keep making a change, reevaluate, make a change, reevaluate. The thing that we have to remember is that gig economy cannot exist without people doing the gig. Mm -hmm. Can I have a question? Yeah. So, how do you feel? Do you have a perspective of the smart city, Columbus smart city? Uh, can you give me more information? Does that affect Uber at all? It doesn't. It's like um, Columbus. What is, is the smart city? What is Columbus smart city for people yes, who don't know what it there is? There are grants and there's funding okay. for Columbus, and it's kind of a cultural movement of Columbus to become 
a smart city. Mm-hmm. I think it's ideal because it's not a big city. It is. It's a city. Mm-hmm. We have Ohio State University. We have a lot of young people. And it's not like New York or L.A. or San Francisco. And we can have these, like, we have more space. We have less people. It's more effective. Where They just implemented uh, automated, automated uh, shuttles. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so there's actual shuttles without drivers in Columbus. Right now? I so, don't... yeah. So I just wanted to verify to see what you're talking about, but it's not, I don't think it's a threat at all. We actually had mm-hmm. a meeting with Smart Columbus last yeah. week. Yeah, um, I'm, yeah, I wanted to just yeah. see yeah. if you if, if you had any interaction. Yeah, I didn't yeah. think it was a threat. I would see Uber probably, okay. you know, yeah. would work together with, with uh, Yes, they actually meeting. reached out to us. Mm-hmm. Um, hey. Yeah, uh, but they want to give grants to Uber drivers that will uh, pick up full battery electric vehicles mm-hmm. uh, to reduce carbon emissions in the city. Yeah. Uh, so that was our meeting with Smart Columbus. Um, so I think that the, it'll actually blend together well. Yeah. Um, I think the two can work together well. Something Reducing carbon emissions is something I'm passionate about uh, myself, not mm-hmm. speaking on behalf of Uber, but it's also something that we're interested in in Columbus. I don't know about other cities. So one thing about Uber is that well, we are one company, but we emphasize cities as well. Um, so I know everything about Columbus, um, and I know that Columbus is taking the initiative to get tra- drivers to have uh, full battery electric vehicles if they want. Um, if they want to, they can get that grant. We're mm-hmm. providing materials for them to do that. Um, so I think uh, Columbus turning into a smart city uh, would be a good thing for Columbus, but would also be a good thing uh, for Uber and Uber drivers as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Columbus is not a big city, but I think it's fast growing. It's affordable. It is, yeah. It's diverse. A lot of people are coming here. Um, there's a lot of. Oh, it's used baked right into it. Yeah, there's a lot of tech incubators here. I feel like a lot of people are trying to start up here in Columbus, so yeah. I think it's appropriate. Mm-hmm. Part of the grant, it's $500 million to the city of Columbus, but something I saw on it is that it's 1,200 electric vehicle charging stations throughout the entire city. Mm-hmm. There's 800,000 people in Columbus, so that's not going to cover everyone, mm-hmm. but that could be a lot of Ubers. Mm-hmm. And so it just makes me think, like, what is the modern infrastructure that's going to be around 10, 20 years from now that everyone just accepts as normal, mm-hmm. that makes our lives that much easier? Um, and I think right now, if you try to drive an electric car in Columbus, it's really difficult. Yeah. So it's awesome that we're able to get the government to help us set up the infrastructure to kind of slowly wean ourselves off of having cars that run on gas. Yeah. What if it Uber stops? Bus stop, <laughs> change it to Uber stop, and you can order an Uber with your voice. You hit a button and say, I'd like an Uber. That, <laughs> I guess you wouldn't, need, that you would wouldn't be, need your voice, but you would say your address yeah, or something. That would be pretty cool. So another thing I didn't realize, you're working at two companies that are both heavily invested in the voice space. Mm-hmm. Amazon Alexa, or Amazon is driving shopping and other orders through their little devices. We have mm-hmm. a little dot over there in the corner. Mm-hmm. And then Uber was one of the first businesses to really have a presence on the voice devices to be able to order pick up and get a pick up and go somewhere using your voice by asking Lexi or to ask Google Assistant. Mm-hmm. Have you played with any of those devices at all? Uh, oddly enough, I just won an Echo Dot uh, from Uber. <laughs> 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 an Echo Dot, but um, well, <laughs> that's I haven't actually opened it and used it. Still just sitting in the box. You probably got a couple pictures of it. Just like really happy about the prize. I am. Um, basically, when you get yeah, the new I one, the third gen. Yes, I have that. Ex- I was looking at it because I think I have that exact one. Um, basically, we had a summit, a big conference for my region at Uber a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. and we did a scavenger hunt all around Columbus, and the prize uh, was an Amazon device. So I chose the dot. <laughs> 
Nice. Um, I sometimes use Siri on my iPhone. Uh, not as much, to be honest. If I do order an Uber, I do it through my um, Apple Watch, which I'm not wearing right now. Or um, I use the Uber Beta app a lot, um, but I don't use voice commands on it. Um, Is that ever something that's talked about in around the community? Is it like a big thing that's on people's minds in the office? Of- to use the beta? To use the voice devices uh, at all, or is it just honest, kind of a side project that's not behind in my closed office, doors? To be honest, if you're a driver, can you tell that someone ordered with voice, or is it all the same to you? Uh, no, we have a tool where I can see like the activity of like when something was requested, but mm-hmm. I personally can't see like how. I just know that something was requested or okay. dispatched and when they were on. Because with Spotify, do you, you use Spotify? I do. They just had the. Have you seen your Spotify Wrapped? No, what is that? If you go to spotifyrap.com, they'll give you data on how you listen to music for all of 2018. Oh, really? They release it once a year, and so it came out just a few days ago. Mm -hmm. And they tell you how many minutes of music you listen to this year, the top artists you listen to, the top album. They give you, like, recommendations on new music. They they give you a whole 2018 playlist of Mm -hmm. the top songs you listen to. One of the stats they give you is this is how many minutes of music you listen to. Mm -hmm. And then in the bottom it says... The percentage that you use voice devices to listen. Oh. So for me, it was like I listened to 103,000 minutes of music. 30% of that was listened on a voice device. Okay. I'm sure mine says zero. Zero? Because <laughs> yeah. you haven't opened it. It's still yeah. in the box. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's really interesting, though. I do like Spotify a lot. I like music. I am a musician. That's something I do in my hmm. free time. What do you play? Uh, so my first instrument was piano. Um, and then I joined my school's concert band and I played the trumpet and somewhere in there my dad bought me a drum set (laughs) so (laughs) I played the drums and then I was in percussion in my school's band for a little bit and then once I graduated in college I took guitar lessons for my first year Uh, but now I just do um, online uh, well in my computer I do like um, production electronic production and then I put it online on SoundCloud uh, but that's also really interesting to me. It blends tech and music in a really interesting yeah. way. What's your artist name? What's my artist name? <laughs> it's Divella Musica. Uh, it's like the brand. And then my name, which I might change, is Camila La Guadagnina. It's in Italian, which was one of my language minors mm-hmm. in uh, university. And it just means, it can mean two things. It can mean Camille the little winner, or it can mean Camille earns it, depending on how you read it. Uh, but to me, it's really inspiring because every time I see it, I think like you must earn and win what you're going for. Yeah, and yeah. I think what's also crazy how you're mentioning like the tech space and the music space coming together mm-hmm. is that before that happened, it would have been impossible for any of us to make music and share yeah. it with the world. Yeah. But now, as someone with a computer, you're able to create music yourself, share it with anyone you would possibly want to, mm-hmm. and then you have the opportunity for anyone anywhere to hear it. And that's what's so amazing about what tech has really brought to every industry, the same as taxis and yeah. like shipping people products. People used to walk through stores and slowly pick out all the items they yeah. wanted. Now they go to Amazon, ship it all there to house. Now they need a taxi, they hit Uber, it's already at their house. Yeah. And so it's crazy that that's something that you enjoy too. It makes sense, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think sometimes, I, I love that tech can be basically blended into um, anything. With music, it comes into um, sound engineering, but you're doing that electronically through a computer. I think that's fascinating because it yeah. really makes you think, like, what is the definition of sound or what's the definition of music if I... If I can really just like tune these oscillators and put pitch bins and do all of this in my computer and I can visually look at a sound that I want to create, uh, I think that's amazing. Um, one, my cousin's uh, brother-in-law, uh, he's a developer and 
he goes to like hackathons and things and then I realized yes. like one of his <laughs> culture. yes one of his main interests was also engineering sound hmm. um so he went to a hackathon and then he like made some huge like oscillator thing that you could just like um basically well I don't know exactly what you could do but maybe code something would output some sort of sound but it like blended his passion for engineering sound wow. uh, with tech and hacking he showed it to me but I thought it was quite interesting um, but yes I, th I think that tech can be in almost infinitely incorporated into anything what do you think is next what's something that's still <laughs> in that uh, analog stage waiting to be changed the human. Um. Great answer. Couldn't have said anything better. <laughs> as, as scary as it sounds, I mean, I think it's inevitable. Yeah. I don't. Not to say that I'm like super passionate. I'm like waiting. But, like, <laughs> I think to become a robot. <laughs> yeah. I'm waiting to become a robot. When was the last time you didn't go on the internet during the day? Yeah. We well, are cyborgs. Yeah. This is just not inside my brain yet, but yeah. I use it. I just have to interact with it with my fingers. Right. Yeah. Eventually, it's just gonna be like, so. Put a with flash your voice. drive in the back of your head and get any language you want instantaneously learned. <laughs> well, the next step is, you know, now it's voice. Like, Alexa, what's the capital of Turkey? Okay. It took you too long to say Turkey. Yeah, it took me too long. Yeah, you had this expect, issue with your grandma. <laughs> Yes, I do. <laughs> he put his he gets his grandma on the phone for one of the podcast episodes, and he has like he's talking to his grandma through his little uh, Lexi device, and then he is having that Lexi device talk to his Google Home, and he's filming all this on his phone. And he's like, "Hey, have have Google say something." So his his grandma is like trying to figure it out. She's kind of kind of talking slow, and so she says, "Okay, Google," and then like starts talking, pauses, and then Google goes to answer, it, and then she finishes. She talking. caught up though. She she, she figured it out fast. Yeah. But there's there's like a definite learning curve and. What, I, what I've been loving about voice devices is how it's starting to get to meaning across all languages. Yeah. Like, Google is now bilingual, so it can understand that the commercial that they show is it's mom and dad. One is Hispanic and one is English. And the mom asks, hey, Google, they're playing with the little toddler, and they're saying, what sound does a cow make? And it answers. And then the dad, I don't know the Spanish version of that, but he says, what sound does a cow make in Spanish? And then Google responds in Spanish and then mm -hmm. makes the cow noise. Yeah. How many languages have you been working with? Like, how many would you say that you, either uh, yeah. through school or in application? So, I grew up speaking English at home, but also um, some of my mom's family speaks Spanish. I learned it in school from, uh, maybe I was around four or five. Uh, but I don't speak it as well anymore, but kind of in the area in New York where my mom lives, uh, Spanish is spoken. So, if I'm going down the street, like, someone might speak Spanish to me and I would always have to sort of understand. Mm -hmm. um, but then in college, I picked up French and Italian minors, all, all based on Latin. Um, so they all kind of intertwine and I understand them. And for that reason, sometimes I might be able to read like Portuguese or something like that, but I don't actually speak Portuguese, but I might be able to understand it. Mm -hmm. uh, and then most recently, um, I lived with someone from China uh, for a year. Uh, so she was teaching me Mandarin a little bit, but <laughs> not a lot. Ni shuo jongwen? I can't understand what you're saying, okay. but I know ni hao, ni hao ma, um, some other stuff. Basically, you can survive yeah, a little bit? A, a little bit. It didn't really go as well <laughs> as I had planned, but I think I'm so comfortable with Latin-based and Romance languages that um, going into a different kind of school of thought and languages is intimidating to me, although I'm interested because I think a lot of people 
that don't know languages don't realize a language is not only a different way of like saying words it's a whole completely different way of thinking and expressing yourself that's what i wanted to get to so have yeah. you gotten to apply any of the languages that you've been learning on the job like mm -hmm. when you're interacting with yeah. different people on the the green light team or amazon prime now yeah do yes. you notice that the way that they phrase their problems or the way that they mm -hmm. see their problems is different from how you would or how like some of your English-speaking American friends might? What's interesting is that I think differently when I'm speaking that language, but yes, I have to communicate differently, and I have to. I find myself speaking and resolving issues differently in that language than I would. For example, the language that I speak most at Uber and at Amazon is French, just because, well, French is a huge language, uh, but we have um, a lot of French-speaking Arabs, French-speaking Africans that come into Uber and that come into um, Amazon, actually, last week. Specifically um, Columbus? Yeah. Okay. Um, we have a heavy Somali and Ethiopian population mm, that speaks yes. Somali in a part, but I don't speak those languages. Uh, we have someone in the office that does speak Somali, which is really helpful, and I know that the way that he resolves issues is differently than we would. Um, but yes, when you're speaking with someone in a different language, you must sometimes phrase the problem differently. I would say that in French, I'm a little bit more reserved, like I wouldn't be as maybe as direct as I would be in English. So for example, if someone's um, account is like closed for quality or something in English, I would say, hey, I'm sorry, but your account is closed for quality. Like this is the end of the discussion, but in French it might say something a little bit different. Like um, some people might not have rated you as, as well as you would have liked. Like for this reason, the account is closed. Like it might- Interesting. It was around, create a story a little yeah, bit. But, yeah, and there's more of a discussion, whereas in English, English is a very efficient language, I think most people would say that, but it's very just like, this is it. <laughs> whereas with <laughs> a less efficient language like Spanish or something, because when I'm speaking Spanish, my Spanish is really broken at this point, but there's this one guy in particular, Juan, he's always coming in. He's like, hey, mommy, what's up? And I'm like, hey, your account is like, you need to put in your documents. We're like chatting about it. I'm like, it's not funny because your account's not active. Like, I'll be right back, I'll be right back. But it's like, I would never have that conversation in English. Right, we were talking Speaking yesterday. Spanish is fun. Yeah. It's just literally anything you say is fun. Yeah. We were sitting around with, with you and we were like, it, it's different because in America, we're very hyper competitive and we're very to the point. But you said when you went to Argentina and you lived there for a while, it's like it wouldn't be out of place for you to sit around and eat dinner for two and a half hours like yeah. every single night. And well, my, my host family was, they were a little more, I would say, not as like strictly Argentine culture because they had so much experience with other students and things. Mm -hmm. um, but m generally, like it is uncommon for someone to sit down go to lunch and sit there for less than the two hours. Right, if you go to Miami, I think you can see a lot of the culture there too. Mm -hmm. If you go to a restaurant, like the server's not gonna give you the bill unless you ask. And yeah. that's one thing I really like about Latin culture is like, enjoy your time with yep. people while you're eating. Yeah. I lived with two girls from Spain, one from Marbella and one from uh, Madrid. They were studying here abroad and I was teaching them and helping them with English. No but way. we had the best dinner times and Spanish people eat dinner like at 11. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah? We, yes. We would start dinner at like 9 or 10, they'd be like, it's so early. I had like, lunch we at We ate six. dinner at 8 yeah. and it was everyone in, I was like, what, you eat dinner at 8? Like that's so early. Yeah. Yeah, some people ate dinner at like 10. Is that nap thing true? Like that you take a the break siesta. in the the siesta? That you like take a break, you take a nap? And it depends. Then... Yeah, yeah, if as you far go as out till six in Spain, like because of the working culture, it's a little okay. bit harder, from what I heard. But when I went to Mexico, 
um, for an hour to the shops were closed. It's kind of like how yeah. shops close early on Sunday. It's annoying. Yeah. Nothing's open on Sunday. Yeah. Like, you can't do anything on the weekends except enjoy life. Yeah. You know, but yeah. hey. It's like that in Germany. You're not allowed to make any noise. Like, you can't mow your lawn on Sunday like someone would call the police on you. I think, Actually? I think. That's what my German culture teacher said. Unless he was just being super old school. Interesting. Someone I'm dating said, mm-hmm. do you know anything about Embedded Sequel? <laughs> embedded Sequel. Actually, so when I, that's a lot of what I was doing while I was at Amazon this summer. I was really? working on their IoT team, Internet yeah. of Things. So it was all really tiny computers, and it, which was all in C. I had to learn C programming, which was... When I deal with a lot of high-level programming languages during the day, like JavaScript and Node.js, like a lot of JavaScript stuff. And I forget what programming used to be, like the base level of what everything's built off of. And when you start dealing with that base level stuff, there's so much heavy lifting that you gotta remember. A bunch of imports, a bunch of linking, you gotta do memory management, you gotta do trash collection. It takes you, it took me entire days to do things that would take me five minutes in JavaScript because with the tiny computer, you have to manage your resources so much more efficiently because you have much. When I'm dealing with this computer, I can build code that that runs a lot more loosely because the resources on here are amazing. When the resources are inside of a light bulb and they're being connected to the Wi-Fi like once every hour, we need to make all of the processes incredibly efficient so that it gets the work done and it doesn't mess that up ever. Embedded SQL, all, all of that is like the bane of my existence, but it's also the foundation of everything that I'm doing. So there's this like, this dissonance there. Compare and contrast coding, your coding, before Amazon and after Amazon? Uh, after Amazon, I had much better understandings of systems for how to code. I don't think my coding itself was any better, but the systems that I used, like how often I would make commits, how I would run pull requests, how I would um, review code on GitHub, that all improved my actual coding ability. I think either stayed the same or went down mostly because I was dealing with a brand new language. I I would argue that you did improve your coding ability because those are extremely important things in development is being a well-rounded developer, not full stack, but code committing, knowing how to use things like that. Yeah, I, I did learn a ton, like SQL on an embedded SQL and learning about what a semaphore is, like a shared resource on a computer. I. It's, it's stuff that you wouldn't really know about. Mm-hmm. Learning about that now, it's like now when I build a system, if I need something that's using a shared resource, I already have in place, I know what a semaphore is, so I can build in JavaScript a semaphore mm-hmm. that I was able to build in C. A semaphore is just like a token that says that someone is using a shared resource so that two people don't try to grab for that shared resource and then use it. So for like a, a file in a database, if I try to make an update to that file, and at the same time someone else tries to make an update to that file, who wins? A semaphore determines someone grabs the resource and then the other person waits and then the semaphore gets returned and then yeah. that person makes the update. Okay. So it's like shared resource dealing with. That's very cool. Your boyfriend asked. Embedded, <laughs> She's embedded terrible, sequ- yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, it's funny. Uh, I was learning SQL for a while. Uh, Uber uses SQL to query their databases, but yeah. Would you consider yourself a technical person? Uh, I work in a non-tech area and tech companies, so I would think... Both like, tech companies. <laughs> yeah, I think that compared to the average person, I would say, so I'm interested in tech, but I don't work in the technical side of things. I don't mm. have that skill yet. Something that I think, uh, well, uh, Alexis Ohanian says is going to be the second literacy. I don't know if is I... Is what? Uh, coding. 
Interesting. He said that last year when he came here. Uh, I don't know if I agree with that, but I do think it's important. Even if I look at operations jobs um, nowadays, like it's always going to be like, hey, would it be helpful if you knew SQL? Would it be helpful if you knew anything about cloud platforms? It's like, what is this? <laughs> because I thought I was just getting into operations. Uh, so it's something that I want to um, develop for myself, like a skill set that I would like to develop for myself, but I don't think I have it yet. I do know of quite a few people in the tech space, though. When we bring when when we were start starting to talk about you with the group before you came, mm-hmm. the first question was, "Oh, she's got to be a software developer at OSU or a computer science student at OSU." And it's like, yeah. "Nope." <laughs> what, what, what was your international relations? International relations. Yeah. And it's like, what is that, John Glenn? Uh, no, actually, it's just the College of Arts and Sciences, but it's actually we're really close to John Glenn, so there are a lot of John Glenn students in my classes um actually someone came to my poli sci class and was like you should all of you should consider getting your master's in john glenn it's a great school but um yeah they're connected Mm -hmm. Uh, but it's it's arts and sciences which i think is the largest group um at graduation we took up like the whole side of the stadium (laughs) um but yeah i really was am passionate about international relations i think Mm -hmm. it's uh, really important and it's helped me a lot at Uber and in Amazon understanding uh, different people and inter- understanding how um, companies navigate um, international commerce or mm-hmm. just the, the world stage. Yeah and in the age of technology there are a lot more companies that are capable of bridging that gap of being able to operate in other countries because mm-hmm. before technology the communication was slower and the infrastructure was a lot less advanced. Mm-hmm. So for a company to pick up operations and go to a completely new country with an entirely new culture, an entirely new language, an entirely new way of doing business is really hard. But Uber is all over the place. Mm -hmm. And so technology has really bridged the gap in that sense. And I think we're going to see more and more companies that are able to apply the value that they're bringing in one place everywhere around the world. Yeah, what's interesting is although a company like Uber and Amazon as well are in these different companies, they still have to adapt culturally. Mm-hmm. So for example, everything is cashless here. And if you were to ask anyone at Uber, is Uber cashless in the US? Absolutely, like why would we take cash? It's through the app. But in a country like Egypt, it's almost all cash. I paid all cash in Argentina. Yeah. And in Argentina, the locals were not allowed to use Uber. Only international people were allowed to use Uber. Well, and I was mean allowed. Like the, the if city. I lived in Argentina, I was not allowed to use the app because it was not on my phone before I got to Argentina. Oh, okay. So you, you can't install it in the country of Argentina? Yeah, like they won't accept their credit cards. Oh, okay. Maybe I can download it, but they will not accept. Mm-hmm. I think it has changed since I was there. When I first got there, I could pay in cash and locals could not use it. Hmm. I didn't know that. It wasn't integrated with the think banks. I it's like that anywhere, like mm-hmm. in India or in um, Egypt, like I said, where mm-hmm. the cash. Like, I don't know how that you would monitor who's paying cash or who's not, but... It's very cool to see how you're in a different country, but you see how the United States' tentacles Mm -hmm. or anyone's the, you know, greater, whatever, quote-unquote, leaders of the world are just, their tentacles are like... Yeah, placed everywhere. Yeah. I had a question. Um, I am on this thing that I read five books at once or XYZ number of books at once, not Mm -hmm. one through, because... I can then remix them as I read them, and if I read them over a longer period, then I can reference that to my life and remember it more. How has working at Uber and Amazon at the same time allowed you to be more effective at both jobs? That is a very good question. I think it's something that um, 
people might not understand. Um, for me, I'm not really doing anything that differently. So the way I see my um, work-to-work balance, we'll call it, is so, as I said earlier, Monday and Tuesday, I'm at Uber. And um, Wednesday through Saturday, I'm at Amazon. Um, Uber is a way for me to sit down and enjoy um, solving problems, uh, working with my coworkers, talking to them about whatever Fortnite Silicon Valley, um, mm-hmm. the show, I mean, mm-hmm. not the yep. actual right. show. Right, good show. <laughs> not the actual it makes movie. me angry. Uh, yeah, well, I was going to ask you guys how you feel about the show, because I think it's hilarious. It's but, so funny, but yeah. it, like, makes me angry that they're not, like, it, they could be, like, more successful, and it just, yeah. like... Oh, yeah, a lot of you know times you're like, oh, I can't believe that happened in Yeah, it's funny, Peter though. Gregory drama. Oh, but, Peter Gregory. Um, but I think that... Uber gives me this sense of um, passion, like I'm really passionate about what I do there. Not to say that I'm not passionate at Amazon, I am, but at Amazon, I, I'm almost moving too quickly to think. It's a very, very fast-paced mm-hmm. environment, like that. super fast-paced environment. Uh, so I'm doing things and I'm enjoying who I'm talking with, but if I do have a conversation with someone I'm managing or someone I'm working alongside, it's literally two minutes and we're both carrying like 24 packs of Coke <laughs> running down mm-hmm. the, uh, the warehouse. So. Um, I think Uber is a way for me to relax while still still getting that enjoyment of working with rideshare partners. Yeah. Um, but at Amazon, if I'm working with the flex drivers, I'm not able to get as incorporated into what they're doing. I just hand off the packages, so I do enjoy seeing them, but I'm not um, as interested. But Amazon has given has given me this huge sense of responsibility and huge. Uh, opportunity to work on many projects, work on many process improvements, and really have um, an effect on people's um, lives that I'm directly managing. So I have a lot more responsibility at Amazon, uh, but also um, I'm a little bit more relaxed at Uber. But that's just the structure of my roles. Like it could be different mm-hmm. if I were doing something else. Uh, but the two work together nicely because Monday and Tuesday I'm working, but they're a little bit more relaxed. And then Wednesday through Saturday I'm just like, very very fast pace i'm basically it's like a workout <laughs> yeah so, do you feel like they roll over like the experiences that you're learning at uber then rolling over and are helping you at when you're working at amazon i think so um i think that um i have some people skills from uber that maybe people on amazon do not have and they're surprised by um because mm. i can pretty much chat with anyone i'll chat with the guy who delivers pepsi uh, chat with the guy who delivers uh, mead and everyone's like why why are you friends with all all these people it's like well all day at uber all we do is talk with random people that we meet and um i think Hmm. that carries over and it helps establish good clientele or helps establish just like a good reputation for us so relationships yeah yeah build rapport but um yeah i would say they i never really saw them as that separate i mean there's two they're two separate companies but at the end of the day i think your work should not be like how it affects you but how you're you're present at your job mm-hmm. so to me i'm just camille working at both of these companies i'm not really someone who's like at uber one day and then i'm changing that at amazon the next i'm camille doing her job something that she loves which is uh, working in the gig economy space and then working in operations so in at uber i work in something called community operations and then i'm working in warehouse warehouse operations at amazon and those two are just very important to me, and I've never really solved that huge of a separation between them. I'm just myself contributing what I know to these spaces, and you can value it at what you want. That would be a great cut. Yeah, I don't want to hold you for too much longer, so 
for the next six months, either working at Uber or Amazon, mm-hmm. just looking ahead to what is coming and what might excite you. For the next six months, whether it's Uber or Amazon, what are you most excited for that's coming? These are two very fast-growing companies. Mm-hmm. What, whether it's yourself in the workplace or a change that they have coming in, what, what, it, what is getting you excited? Um, yeah, so for Uber, it's definitely Uber going public. I'm really excited to see like what that's going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it will change anything major, but I'm, I'm interested to see how someone will react. Someone asked me today if drivers will get a discount. I'm like, I definitely, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I definitely don't have the answer to that if you don't have the answer to that. Um, we'll but, figure out a date first. <laughs> yeah. But uh, everyone's excited about it, I think, from the driver all the way up. So um, that's something I'm interested to see how it shapes the company. Um, as far as Amazon, HQ2, like everyone's talking about that. Um, I have family from New York, um, something that I was exploring, like could I go to HQ2? Um, but also the Amazon Go stores, I think the grocery stores, <laughs> absolutely phenomenal, amazing. There's supposed to be at least 2,000 more popping up across the US and the world. So. Those are amazing, those are amazing. Yeah, I haven't used one, but I'm interested to see how that changes retail because uh, someone, a family friend made a comment to me, um, Amazon's changing, there's more brick and mortar stores. And I'm thinking, I guess, cause I, to me, Amazon's not just an online shop. It's always been somewhere physical because I work there and I have to physically go to Amazon. But for many people, it's just this online place that sends them a package out of you know, the sky. Almost. <laughs> <laughs> the package falls down. So the fact that Amazon is creating these physical spaces uh, that people can attach I don't know, a space to Amazon. That's yeah. something very new. I think that's changing in the way consumers see um, online retail, but also, yeah, you can walk into an Amazon Go store, pick up some items and charge it to your account and walk out. Is Target, is Walmart, are these companies going to try to adopt that or how are they going to beat that curve? I'm excited to see exactly how other companies are trying to keep up with Amazon. And it gives them more of a brand because mm-hmm. then they're out there. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, the only branding that they have is the box that they ship you. Right, yeah. Thank you for coming on, Camille. Is yes, there anywhere you. that people can find you if they want to either chat with you or follow your story? Um, you can add me on LinkedIn. I'm on there, but I'm also on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. Those are yeah, What's your handle? I have two handles. <laughs> um, I'm work. Let me. And on LinkedIn, to... it's Camille Patrice Dickens. Yeah. Let me. I think that right you having those two new unique perspectives makes you like a, working there at the same time. Both of those companies will one day want to promote you. Yeah. Because you'll so. have I such so. a great view of customer and employee perspective on the ground level Mm -hmm. and you can take that all that insight and inform people at high level positions yeah for sure well do you have them yeah my handle for twitter is at laguadanina so that's my music page but it's how i communicate mostly through tech and at l-a-g-u-a-d-a-g-n-i-n-a and then um, on Instagram, my handle is at Cami, C-A-M-I underscore Patri, P-A-T-R-I. Thank you for joining so, us, Camille. Thank you very much. Yeah, for thank you so much for coming. It's great meeting you.